welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's up, babies? What's up, my chocolate thunders? Welcome to the show, Electric Liberty Land, episode 249, which means you can go and find show notes, links to our sponsors, and all that good stuff over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL. Oh, no, I'm sorry, forward slash episodes slash ELL 249, including a link to the Nomad Network. And by the way, big news. You no longer have to put in the WWW moniker. <laughs> you can go to nomadnetwork.app forward slash lion. Lion, not lions. That's our new link. Nomadnetwork.app forward slash lion and get into this amazing networking process for libertarians, for free marketers, for people that are just interested in business for free. And I tell you, I love it already. I talked about it on the show before. I'm actually going to see Jason Stapleton this weekend, his nuptials, congratulations to him, a good gift for you to give to him and probably what I'll give to him because <laughs> I'm cheap is to get more involved with the Nomad Network. Now, to tell you more about this, basically what it is, is a central hub for people that want to learn more, that want to share their skills, that want to grow their skills, that want to network with other libertarians, that want to find a job that want to hire somebody for a job. It is a networking hub slash information sharing tool that you are absolutely going to adore. I love the interface. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's not just, it's kind of like what LinkedIn has become in a way in that it's more than just a business networking app at this point. And the Nomad Network is falling in that path. Except unlike LinkedIn, you have access to all sorts of shared content from experts like myself. I'm a public relations expert. I put it out there. Hey, by the way, this is what I do. Come to me if you need any assistance. I'm going to be sharing my own expertise on the app in one of the paid programs. But again, you can get in for free by going to nomadnetwork.app forward slash lion. Get in there today. Come join me. Come become a friend of mine in the network. And of course, like everything I post, as you should be doing with everything on every social platform. But, guys, getting into the show, woo doggy, there's a lot going on with our social networks, right? Uh, Facebook apocalypse, as I am calling it. Some people are probably calling it Facebook gate. I feel that's lazy, so screw that. But no, Facebook apocalypse is on us. We saw, and I cackled maniacally, as did many people, especially the folks over at Twitter who said, welcome literally everybody to, uh, <laughs> to the millions of people that flocked to Instagram, or not flocked to, flocked to a Twitter from Instagram, from Facebook, looking for somewhere to get their little hit of uh, social media heroin, I suppose, just to bitch about the fact that Facebook is down, maybe to find out why Facebook was down, as this was a social platform that was functioning. Meanwhile, everything that was coming out, reports on what happened to Facebook, which was down for something like six, I think, six to eight hours, just all of a sudden was gone. And in a hilarious fashion, Literally, what happened was that somehow the routing network that connected Facebook to the Internet and Instagram and WhatsApp and all these other programs, those are the primary three. I think there was one other one that was involved too, tied into it that they had purchased, were removed from the Internet. And they were saying this had something to do with the back end ad routing that they use and somehow it got deleted. 
My theory is that it got hacked because we're finding this out on the heels of these revelations about Facebook being as evil as we thought it was. And I'll get into that in just a little bit. And then we found that <laughs> magically Facebook couldn't access their DNS backend. I think it was a hack. We also had Gmail see service outages that day. You also saw several other large corporations see service outages that were internet related businesses. So I think there might be something more at play here. But at the same time, Maybe it's just somebody inside Facebook got pissed off, deleted all this, found out that this was going on and decided they're going to take them down from the inside out. You know, kind of like, uh, oh God, oh, what's that? What's that cheesy movie that they remade with? God, is it Kurt Russell in it? Where it's this, uh, this young group of teens and they're battling the commies that take over their town. I can't believe I can't remember it. See, this is why people, you can get in. And produce shows with us, by the way. We call it the Nittany level because we, of course, draw our name to Lions of Liberty from the Nittany Lions, the Penn State team, which is ranked number four in the nation. Woo! Let's go state. <laughs> we are Penn State. But at the Nittany level, which is uh, actually, well, it's a $50 level. If you want to pay $100, you get even more access. But it's a $50 level and you get to actually produce a show. Takes a couple months to get through the cycle, but you get to produce a show. And we've had several in the past, like Logan's Run. We did a review of that. We reviewed the Bigfoot show. We reviewed uh, several other films in the past. It's a fun opportunity for you to do it. So you can make me look like an even bigger asshole than I am by getting in at that $50 nitty level, producing a show wherein you make me watch whatever this movie's called that is on the tip of my brain, and I can't think of what it is. Nope, oh, it's not coming. That's enough time. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. But... Maybe somebody on Facebook decided they were going to take him down and be the hero that we need. The Batman to the Gotham, the Facebook Gotham City, and take him down. But whatever happened, they deleted all their DNS access so they could not get any connection to the Internet. And hilariously, apparently the inside of Facebook was also down so that people couldn't get into the buildings to remedy the problem. Meanwhile, my question is, isn't somebody working at Facebook all the time? Right. They said Facebook said, and this is why I think my bullshit radar is pinging. Facebook says, well, we can't fix this problem right now because our workers can't get in the buildings to get access to the servers to fix the problem. Hey, Facebook, you're a global organization. People are on your service 24 hours a day, every day by design. That is how you've made it. This is how the incentive works. This is why you introduce the like buttons to keep people addicted. You're telling me you don't have staff round the clock working on this shit? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Sounds like horseshit to me. This is why I think that somebody deleted it from the inside and caused a big problem for Facebook and then they had to fix it and they were just kind of throwing out whatever to make it seem like, oh, well, it was just a whoopsie dipsy. It was a daily. Zuckerberg's tap dancing outside in mime face. But Despite the Facebook apocalypse, which many people celebrated, got to, to spend some time with their loved ones, go on, read a book, walk outside, I don't know, kiss a dog on the mouth, whatever it might be. We now see the bigger issue coming to surface, which is Facebook and this whistleblower. Her name, let's see, her name, she is a data scientist, Frances Haugen is a whistleblower that released several thousand pages of documents and now went on 60 Minutes talking about just how evil this corporation is. Now, by virtue of how, you know, I, I won't say evil as far as every person that works there is evil. I won't say that they're trying to take over the world like Dr. Evil, evil. But the practices that they've utilized are kind of these tried and true. 
practices of targeting youth, targeting children, and playing into what I have long said is a huge problem within our society. It's one of the reasons I say that we have so much violence. It's one of the reasons I say that we have so much problem with children and suicide. One of the reasons I say we have so much problem with children and, and individuals, not just children, but individual lone gunmen, right? They say, oh, gun violence. And the progressives want to blame access to guns rather than looking to the main culprit, which is culture, society, media, and social media and the interaction therein. I did an episode on this months and months ago talking about how social media is a cancer, how it is poison, especially to young people, especially to isolated individuals. Now, this has been backed up by several uh, research studies that have been done by social psychologists looking at the effects of social media on especially young people, how younger people now do not go and interact in the same way that people like me. I'm going to be 42 this year, I think. Yes, I'll be 42 this year. People like me, when we were younger, we would go to other people's houses. We would go play games. We'd go and play in the backyard. We would hang out in person, playing video games or talking or doing whatever it was. You were doing these things in person. You'd go and walk around the mall like uh, like jerk-offs, like in the movie Mall Rats. That was a real thing. That was my youth. So instead of that, though, you have everybody on their phones all the time. You have social awkwardness that arises from being on your phone, on your apps all the time and not having face-to-face interactive contact. Now, I don't know about you out there. I'll admit this. I have become slightly more socially awkward as I have aged. This is why alcohol is my friend. I associate this primarily with the fact that we do talk less face to face. I mean, Christ, even my wife and I will be sitting watching TV on the couch and I'll turn to her and say, ah, that was pretty funny on the show. I just look down at her goddamn phone most of the time. These things have taken over our society. But when we look to younger people, that have not had that earlier experience of having no phone constantly in their head. That's addictive mentality of looking on their phone to looking for gratification, for looking for validation of their posts, looking and seeing how they compare to other children. And especially pointing out, when we talk about isolation and loneliness and how this has such a detrimental effect on people's psychology as they're growing up, as they're out there, it makes them feel so lonely, so isolated, which could lead to violence, which could lead to suicidal tendencies, lashing out at people because you feel that you're the only person that's not invited. You're the only one that's not happy because you're viewing a picturesque, make-believe fantasy world that is not reality. But to you, you see all these photos, you see all these people having fun. You're not invited to any of it. Especially painful as if they're your friends and you're not invited to it, right? So you see, this has a cascading effect on the psychology of children. Facebook as it turns out, knows this. Now, I would argue, no shit. If I can figure it out, a jag-off screenwriting public relations expert slash uh, stand-up comedian sometimes, if I can figure this shit out, of course Facebook knows it. Of course, it's obviously one of the things that is going to be a natural evolution of the social media cycle, that cycle of posting, of constantly checking, of seeing validation or being rejected from that validation, and then constantly in your brain developing a standard which your posts have to meet. Otherwise, you are a failure, you are unpopular, you are unlikable, you are unlovable, and now you got to go and get a gun and go colorblind some people. Facebook knew all this. Especially when it comes to Instagram with young girls, because that is a platform wherein you have all these filters to make yourself look beautiful and fantastic. Now, the left has always been, well, the left and ugly chicks have been crying about the fact that we glorify beautiful people in society at all times. I don't have a problem with glorifying beautiful people. You know what? I like looking at them. 
So do other people. You know, some people like looking at fat people. Some people like looking at uh, ugly people. Some people looking like, uh, I don't know, people that are missing limbs. There's a fetish for everything, folks. My fetish happens to be good-looking people. So I don't have necessarily a problem with showcasing ads and having influencers be good-looking. But you do have the problem, like I said earlier, tying in when you have little girls trying to now be influencers, trying to match up with influencers, and being judged on a constant basis, not by just friends, which is bad enough, but now by strangers on the internet. Not just your everyday strangers, but probably weirdo pedophile strangers, because they're getting more sexual as they go. Remember when I did that whole episode on cuties? Which, by the way, if you didn't hear that one, go back. I reviewed it for you, so you didn't have to. But it was sickening. I mean, it was the movie, but both times exposed the sickness that is the sexualization of children while also celebrating it and showcasing it in a way that was absolutely fucking disturbing. But that's what Instagram is doing as well. Now, the other side of this coin is that this whistleblower also admitted that Facebook, as we already knew, feeds people content that will intentionally make them inflamed, that will intentionally fan the flames of what they believe in, what they hate, what they're going to get angry about, and, of course, highlights the craziest, shittiest stories. Because Facebook knows this is what's going to keep you involved. This is what's going to keep you coming back. This is what's going to keep you pissed off arguing with assholes that you barely know and making your opinions that much deep-seated, that much more fiery, and that much more, uh, I guess, ignorant, really, when you get down to it, because they're feeding you everything that you want to see, whether that's true or not. And that also came out. A lot of that, a lot of what they're promoting is the thing that they say that they're fighting against. So they're feeding you their own disinformation, half-truths that are going to make you more angry, half-truths that you're going to spout and repeat that other people will then get angry about and come after you for. They know all of this because that's what gets clicks. That's what gets people active. That's what's the most popular to talk about. It's not your pictures of your friend. It's not the pictures of your dog. It's not uh, well-wishing. It's not a funny joke. God knows my funny jokes, they don't get anywhere near the attention of the horrible posts that make the progressives pissed off. They come and start filing flame wars on my page. If I ever post anything on my personal page, it's really too political. So they know all this. So they buy into it. Now, the other side of the coin uh, that was also revealed here is that the company, of course, which the left hates, prioritize profit over safety, the safety of, of the democracy, right? And this whistleblower said, oh, our democracy is at risk. And that's where you also, your radar should be pinging. Your red flags should be going up because this is what they want. This is what they want. They want the democracy to be at risk. They want the children to be at risk. Won't somebody think of the children? Now, while I would agree that children are at risk from this, I don't think that you should have a legal standard wherein you prohibit children from accessing social media. I think that's idiotic. I think that's up to the parents. Just like having something on television and saying, oh, well, it's like having a V-chip in every house and saying the children are allowed to watch it and you're going to scan their brains and scan their eyeballs to make sure that they're not of age. Give me a fucking break. I know you can't control what your kid does all the time, but nor should you be able to. You know, we have to say, where does a child's rights and a parent's rights start and end? And I'm not going to get into the whole sexual age thing. I already, we talked about that on another show. I, uh, like I said, I think the sexual age is two years, two years difference between uh, whatever the two parties are. There you go, close enough, but I won't get into that here. But I don't think that the government should be stepping in and regulating how old somebody has to be to go on a social media website. I don't think that's right. 
I think people need to have the ability to explore. They need to have the ability to, to get checked. Their parents should decide whether or not they're old enough and feasible enough and their mind is developed enough to do it. Or they should be so involved in their child's life, which is another symptom of a sick society today, is that parents are checked out and more content to let other people raise their children, more content to let uh, online networking raise their children and not actually speak to them to find out how they're doing, whether, how their day went, what's going on in their lives. Because the adults are now addicted, right? Who's got time to talk to their kid when you've got to see how your fucking stupid Instagram post did? But I don't think government should get involved in this. But of course, won't somebody think of the children, right? Now we say, oh, well, Facebook, oh, it's so evil. AOC is out there talking about how Facebook, one more example of how they have to be broken up because there's too much power going on with Facebook. Maybe there is a little too much power with Facebook, where does a lot of that power come from? Oh, that's right. The fact that Facebook is able to buy up competitors, the fact that other competitors are stifled coming up because tech giants collaborate together to crush them. Uh, Google, Amazon, for instance, right? But of course, these big tech giants also enjoy what? Everybody all together? That's right. Massive regulatory advantages because they have millions of dollars that they pay lobbyists to then go and suck the dicks of the politicians who then go and pretend that they need to break them up, but they won't. But they like to pretend. They like to write regulations to put into place that stifle competition, keep these giants absolutely cemented in their place because it makes competition harder to come up makes it harder to get out there and have the same advantages these platforms had when they were growing, aka when these platforms came to be as powerful as they were. Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, all these things. You know, these, these places were free and open internet companies. You could say anything on Twitter, right? This is why it became as popular as it did, because people flocked there. The influencers on the early ages, always the people that go to these early adopters places, you know, the early adopters, these are people who want to try something new, that are willing to throw it out there, that are willing to, to experiment. And that doesn't mean simply with a platform, it means with themselves what they can say. And Twitter was a place of open and free dialogue. Google didn't used to pitch you ads and stifle all the results. It was just a quick, easy way to get those results back quickly before it became the monster that it is. And now they have far too much power because the government has gotten in bed with them. Because the government benefits from them being a source for all data compiling that the government then can use to go after its citizens. That the government can use to put its citizens on lists. They can dissect and bisect and find out what its citizens are doing, what they're thinking, what they're planning. We saw this with so many other instances within the Capitol riots where the information was shared. How the FBI is working with Facebook right now to combat quote-unquote extremism. I'm sure more than 90% of the FBI plots that are set up that they then foil conveniently, luring in stupid kids that are, have extremist views that have been isolated by the same social media platforms the government's now using to entrap them into committing terrorist acts. I mean, it's just, it's a perfect system, right? It's a cyclical relationship between the government and these platforms now, wherein they're so valuable to them, the government doesn't want to fuck with them. And more than anything, the government wants to use them to censor what goes out. And that's what all these Democrats that are crying about Facebook censorship and crying about, uh, or not censor, crying about Facebook having too much power and how we need to break them up and how this and that is wrong and how won't somebody think of the children. Nothing's going to happen to Facebook, except that they're going to demand that Facebook kowtow to their demands for censorship. You're already seeing it happen. Right, You're already seeing them try to restrict what can and can't be said on here. You're already seeing the government work to say what and what can and can't be said about vaccines. It can and can't be said about 
races, the can can be said about uh, religion, the can whatever it is. It falls into the categories of hate speech or misinformation or disinformation. You see Australia, I already told you, access social media profiles to change and alter those. You see in the UK, they use social media profiles and, and what's access there to go to people's houses if you post something that you don't like the immigration laws. These things are extensions of the government. So all of this is fucking hoopla. It's not going anywhere. And until we, as consumers in mass, move away from these things and say these are bad and limit our kids' access to them and limit our own access to them, I try to stay off social media as much as I can. I pop in to check. Here we go. I posted something here. You know, typically, it's just for the show. I'll go in, see this. I've got a private account, private being the key word, that is only for friends and family for my daughter's account that I share so my, grand, you know, my grandparents can see their granddaughter. I'll check that. I'll post some pictures there. Otherwise, stay out there for the most part. Pop onto Twitter, slang some shit, make some points. Otherwise, I don't stroll through it. Don't sit there scrolling through your social medias all day. That's what they want. That's what gives them their power. That's what shares your information with the government. That's the trade-off. This is the devil's bargain, the Faustine agreement, which you have entered into. And the government has now taken advantage of. They know you are addicted. And the government's no stranger to addiction. Look what's fucking happening with giving people money. Now we have a global supply chain shortage because there's not enough people to work the docks. I'm just talking to my, my uh, father-in-law about this. He's one of the captains that brings in the giant ships from the harbor that are now backed up for a month. They sit out there waiting to get into LA Harbor. So there's not enough people. Can't find workers. He said if he had wanted to, he was offered a year. He could have taken a year off of COVID which means they would have had to find another captain with the experience and the time and knows this, knows how to get these giant ships in the harbor, delaying things even further. But of course, this is a symptom of a fucked up system wherein we have cult mentalities, we have authoritarians working together, spending us into oblivion. And we'll get to that <laughs> in another minute. But the government knows all too well about the addiction that is free money, free services, free dependence on the government, no responsibilities, no anything. Here you go. Now you're hooked. Right? You're hooked on what the government's going to give you. Facebook, here you go. You're hooked on what we provide to you. Now we've got incentives. Your mind, your mind is set up that Pavlovian instinct. Oh my God, I got a fucking like. I got to go in there and check it all. I got to see how many likes I got now. The government knows that you are addicted to it one more way because they are working with these companies. These companies are an extension of government at that point. Anyway, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about. Kristen Cinema. Now, Kristen Cinema is a Democratic, Democratic senator of Arizona, which makes it a little bit ironic, a little bit funny that she's now being stalked and harassed by extremist leftist immigration activists. This comes out of her objection to the three point five trillion dollar reconciliation bill that's out there right now that has been uh, pulled back. And has been shot down by her, by Joe Manchin, because it is an atrocity. It is unbelievable horseshit that the, I don't know, the Democrats just think this is a perfect time. And maybe this is just, a, they feel they've gotten, maybe it's the, the Newsom effect. They have a mandate now that they can go out and do whatever they fucking want. Because they happen to have a 50% plus one <laughs> a share of uh, of power throughout the government, with the Senate. But... This 3.5 trillion bill has everything in it from climate justice 
to immigration pathways to, oh God, there was something else that was so absurd. I was reading the other day. Let's see, it was climate, immigration, I don't know, something else, just insane, insane things because they'll shoehorn everything into this, knowing that, oh, the government's going to get shut down and they think they're going to have the people behind them to keep the government away or they can't default on the loans or else the world will come to an end, yada, yada. No, it won't. There was an alternative bill just focused on infrastructure that was put forth for $1 trillion, which, of course, Nancy Pelosi pulled because they couldn't have that. They want to get through this massive behemoth bill instead. Because God knows when we have global supply chain problems, when we have people not working because they have no incentive to work, because you're getting paid to stay home and sit on your asses, when you have 30%, and this is what the current state of inflation is in grocery stores, 30% inflation on stores, grocery shelves, well, that's the perfect time to introduce a $3.5 trillion infrastructure spending bill, reconciliation bill, right? Because they're trying to force it through. Perfect time to do that. Because, you know, fuck the everyday person. I guess I'll just print more money and give it to the poorest of the poor. They're the most affected by these things because they are the ones that feel the brunt of every single price increase when it comes to inflation first and foremost, compared to uh, some of us that have a little bit more money that can take that on the chin to spend more money on bread and milk and eggs and everything else. I guess they just say, fuck it. But Kristen Sinema actually said, no, this is bullshit. I'm not going to go for it. You should have gone for this $1 trillion. That is enough to get her stalked, chased through the hallways at the University of Arizona by activists for immigration and uh, who want a pathway to citizenship, and then quartered in a bathroom where they kept her in a stall and harassed her. Now, according to Joe Biden, I'll play you a quick, uh, <laughs> quick clip here. According to the old Joe Biden... Well, shit, man, this is just par for the course, right? Let me play this for you real quick. President, uh, you're talking about how you have 48 Democratic votes right now. The other two uh, have been pressured over the weekend by activists. Joe Manchin had people on kayaks show up to his boat. T.L. Adam, Senator Sinema last night was chased into a restroom. Do you think that those tactics are crossing a line? I don't think they're appropriate tactics, but it happens to everybody from the, <laughs> the only people it doesn't happen to are people who have Secret Service standing around them. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's part of the process. Yes, sir. Yep, there you go. Yep. Part of the process, Joe. That's what it is. Oh, sorry. I've clicked off one window, not the other one. Part of the process. Right. For people that don't have Secret Service surrounding them. Oh, good for you, Joe. You fucking asshole. So this is the normalization of threats of violence, I would say. I mean, we already saw Larry Elder. I talked about him when he was running for uh, California governor, get accosted, uh, thrown eggs in his face from a woman in a gorilla mask on LA's boardwalk, a white woman in a gorilla mask on LA's boardwalk in Venice, which is one of the hotbeds for the homeless incidents where people are getting stabbed or were getting stabbed until the sheriff's office finally kicked them off the goddamn boardwalks. But of course, the way it was reported, was not that Larry Elder was accosted violently or thrown, you know, accosted by a white woman in a gorilla mask and racist attack. No, no, it was described as Larry Elder was met with uh, unpopular response in Venice. Yeah, you know, the, the way the leftist media would craft this. Now we're seeing Joe Biden ask specifically about 
what I would perceive as a pretty good threat against the senator. And let's recall also that Rand Paul and his wife were surrounded by a mob of people when they were trying to leave. I can't remember which event it was, but this is recently a few months ago that we've had other senators attacked on the Republican side of things that Rand Paul's neighbor tackled him to the ground for no fucking reason, just for being a great guy claiming it was over lawn clippings and the left cheered it. Now you have Joe Biden reframing this. Oh, and let's not forget, of course, that uh, smartest woman uh, <laughs> in Hawthorne. God, my brain is just completely failing. I'm the smartest man in Hawthorne because I can't remember fucking shit right now. Oh my God, my brain. I am. I have literally lost my goddamn mind right now. Maxine Waters, my God. Oh, it's like the third time today. Oh, I did not sleep well last night, just FYI. Uh, woke up at like three in the morning, couldn't make sleep. So Maxine Waters routinely you know, called for people to go out and harass people in this exact way. Go out in restaurants and scream at them. I guess you didn't have to say, chase them into bathroom. Don't, don't have to say, chase a woman into a bathroom stall and then scream at her with your cell phone out, which of course violates privacy issues, privacy, all sorts of things. But according to Joe Biden, that's just uh, part of the course, man, man. What you talking about, boy? I mean, come on, man. It's part of the process. No, Joe, it's fucking not. It's not part of anybody's process. Nobody, I don't care if you're a fucking senator or not, nobody should be harassed, chased, and surrounded in public by a group of people. Nobody should. And to normalize this type of behavior shows you sick, twisted mentalities that these leftists have. And I've said this before. This is why I feel that the left is, and regressives, as I'm saying, these regressives, regressives. One more example, you go, regressive leftists. Let's go back to mob violence, everybody. Hooray for mob roll. Let's get the lynchings going again, right? Thanks, regressives. Great fucking idea. So you've got this, these leftists, again, they're like the means to an end. They don't give a shit. They don't care who gets hurt because they believe that their goals are so special, so unique that who fucking cares how many eggs get broken? Who many, who cares how many skulls get broken? Who, who cares how many people get hurt? And in the meantime, you have a society that's supposedly convinced that right extremism is the biggest danger that we face, right? The, oh, these alt-right extremists. And I was just talking about the lonesters that go on social media that are ostracized, that are bullied, that are feeling isolated, that then would probably gravitate more towards a far-left Antifa or a far-right alt-right. But one of them, namely the alt-right, namely the Nazi youth that they tell us are out there, these white extremists, are such a minuscule, teeny portion of the population that they are virtually zero threat. Virtually nil, despite the fact that they're trying to lump everything and everyone into this white extremist box so that they can go after them. And let's not forget, good old, it's part of the process, Joe Biden also told us that instead of creating a bill or a law that would go after white extremists, which would be constitutionally, constitutionally dubious, and as I said, would make thought crimes illegal, he instead is just going to work with social media companies. Oh, those same social media companies that we're supposed to believe these people are going to rein in. Joe fucking Biden is working with them right goddamn now to seek out extremists, to censor content, to find out who's going to do what. This is his big plan. This is his big workaround is to seek private companies 
on his citizens rather than the domestic assault forces of the CIA and the FBI and the NSA. However, we're going to come back to those later because they're still going after people and still doing it in a hilariously one-sided, politically biased fashion. Now, getting back to this real quick, I really... Not to say, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I uh, I have any undue love for Kristen Cinema or Joe Manchin. I don't know. I guess they're better than than the rabble. But to hear a president simply say that being harassed, being chased, and being literally chased by a mob of people is is part of the process. I mean, that's something that is so far beyond the pale. It's so far beyond rational thinking. So it's it's an inexcusable deflection. And of course, how's the mainstream media reacting to it? Crickets. Virtually nobody's talking about it in any way other than a couple right-wing media outlets who they'll dismiss. And of course, censor that content, shadow ban it, push it down as much as they possibly can. Because that, just like left-wing violence, is also part of the process. All right, let me give you a quick, uh, quick little sponsor sponsor here. And I'll be right back. And yes, I made this commercial. I'm not going to change it, even though I say Verde in it, when apparently everybody knows that that's not the correct pronunciation. But what the fuck ever? I don't give a shit. Here you go. Hey, guys, a quick commercial break here. Sponsor break for two libertarians, Vanessa Avalar and her husband, Carlos, two libertarians who run a CBD company you're going to enjoy. That is Paloma Verde CBD. Let me spell that for you so you can know where to find it. P-A-L-O-M-A-V-E-R-D-E-C-B-D.com. Now, you can use the promo code ROAR to get 25% off your order of $75 or more. Free shipping, though, so that's awesome to help support libertarian causes, libertarian entrepreneurs, and also this show. Let me tell you about these products. These are premium-grade, THC-free, and with mostly organic ingredients. They've got some mink tinctures that are fantastic. Onset about 20 minutes, last four to six hours, guys. Green apple gummies, also strawberry lemonade. Those will last about six to eight hours as well. Fast-acting, everyday soft gels, 10 milligrams. Those will hit you fast and hard if you're in pain, if you need some relief quick. And, of course, they also have their salves. I'm looking forward to this. Mark is still hoarding it. I'm going to go over and non-aggressively, non-aggression principally, punch him in the face. (laughs) But I do want to use this salve on my sore knee, this eucalyptus lavender salve. But anyway, guys, check them out. Great company. Support libertarianism. Support us and support them. Go to palomaverdecbd.com. Remember, use that promo code ROAR for 25% off your order of $75 or more and free shipping. You know, sadly, Mark actually just moved down to Mexico. As you guys know, you probably heard on Monday's show. But, you know, I believe in my ability to find a way to get together with him. And uh, if not punch him in the face, poke him right in the eyes. (laughs) Anyway, welcome back for this uh, second half of the show. And getting into this, you know, this show's kind of got a unifying theme. And it is bad actors being part of the process, right? We've got Facebook, bad actor, part of the process. Government's in bed with them working hand in hand. Big talk, no action. Then you got violence from these aggressives against their own kind, eating their own. Because they dare to have some principles and don't want to simply sell America's fucking people down the river in order to fulfill a progressive, uh, I guess, far left progressive 
democratic dictatorship type of order with this $3.5 trillion bill at a time when we don't have money. But the next thing I want to talk about, oh, you know what? Shit. Real quick before I get, I just looked at my notes and I forgot to talk about this shit. I did want to talk about really fast. Then I'm going to get back to this main point. Gavin Newsom, just like the fact that California has some of the lowest COVID rates that they've been dropping every goddamn day. We saw low numbers of deaths, low numbers of new cases, low numbers of everything, has just said, now vaccine mandate, all kids under 12, or all kids over 12, excuse me. Vaccine mandate, all kids over 12. Perfect time, dickhead. I mean, perfect fucking timing. Right when the shit's at its lowest, that's when he wants a vaccine mandate. This is laying bare that none of this has anything to do with science. Nothing of this has anything to do with uh, protecting the population. All this has to do with authoritarianism. All this has to do with the simple premise that Democrats have to be right, that they have bought into this pharmacology, uh, technocratic, authoritarian uh, democracy, as they would call it. And that they are willing to go to the ends of the earth. They don't care who they hurt. They don't care that children are more probably more likely to be injured from the vaccine than from COVID. Right? And the stats on, on children having this, it's statistically insignificant how many children die from COVID. Even the Delta variant. You might they were talking about, oh, well, children went to the hospital more. Yeah, they didn't die. Didn't die. And anytime one kid dies, the media tells you, oh, my God, one kid died that was 10. Later on, we find out there was a comorbidity. Later on, we find out that it wasn't simply COVID that killed this kid, that it was a tragedy. And even if it was COVID, kids also fucking die from the flu. Perfectly healthy kids die from random viruses every single year. It doesn't mean that every child dies from that virus every single year. But, of course, that's what these people want you to believe. That's what social media amplifies and feeds us. There we go, tying it all back in together, guys. But I did see that there were uh, hundreds of teachers or thousands of teachers marching, blocking the Brooklyn Bridge. I hate when anybody blocks public throughways. I find it obnoxious and it really pisses me off. However... There are certain times that I can get behind it. This is one of those times. Just like with the Australians who flooded the streets in hundreds of thousands from what it looks like, continue to flood the streets and protest Australia's zero COVID policy, which, by the way, the government seems to have finally gotten the fucking message. Maybe you have enough cops get run over by thousands of people. You finally get the message. Maybe the social media leaking out finally gave people the message. Yeah, Australia, you better back the fuck off. or You're going to be in the middle of a civil war, even though your population's unarmed. But... We also saw that New Zealand is backing off their zero COVID policy. So good job, Australia. Australians having the guts to go out and protest in the streets in the hundreds of thousands, something we should be doing right here, has now saved the people of New Zealand from a similar fate. So good on you. But at the same time, we're seeing giants in the corporate world still push through these vaccine mandates. The airlines are pushing through vaccine mandates, even though Joe Biden extended now it's not till November 22nd. We'll see what happens with it, but you still are seeing hundreds of people are refusing to go to work. They're refusing to comply with this. You're seeing the healthcare industry, hundreds of people refusing to comply with this. Good. Fucking good. I hope these companies get hit hard. I hope that they have their basic ability to compete in the marketplace infringed and impinged by this bullshit that they're adopting rather than fighting back against it. But one that's helping them along the way is ADP. Now, I have a friend that works for ADP. But I don't care. 
fuck ADP in the ass. ADP, if you don't know about it, is like a big HR processor. They help with uh, with payments. They help with finding uh, HR, filling them in, and all this other shit. They now have gone within their massive database, which is used by millions. They now are saying, oh, this person has COVID. Or this person is, I'm sorry, COVID vaccinated, and this person's not. So now... When you're going through processing, when you're going through their whatever HR services they're providing, you're now marked with a little ding if you don't have your COVID vaccine. Now, that to me seems like a violation, again, of knowing my health privacy, whether or not I'm fucking vaccinated from an HR company. Go fuck yourself. How about that? Especially if you're trying to find a job or keep a job. Now they're making it that much easier to weed out those who are independent free thinkers or might have a medical exemption, might just think that they have natural immunity or do have natural immunity from COVID. So again, big corporations working in hard, working in hard there with big government to make sure that you are denied your basic health freedoms. Okay. Let's get back to, uh, let's get back to this, uh, deep state. And now the deep state's partisanship is really on full display here. Um, first things first, I'm sure most of you have already heard about the FISA courts and how the FBI basically can't back up, back up any of the claims that they made on their FISA documents. We've known that the FISA court system, that secret court in which basically the FBI, the CIA, whoever, whoever would go, is primarily the FBI though, would go file for a surveillance warrant, file for, you know, whatever, basically whatever they wanted. And it was just a rubber stamp court. Must be the best job you can get in government. I'm sure it's very high paying. I'm sure only the highest level of judges at the highest security clearance are able to go in there and sit on this bullshit court where you just say yes to everything. And I think it was Rand Paul had released this uh, this figure, but the technical statistical, uh, a number of, approvals was something like 98% of all of the FISA warrants that were pushed through there, 98% were approved. And, you know, the 2% that weren't were just so ridiculous or probably, in truth, I doubt they were even ridiculous. I think it was more likely than not that they were simply technically processed incorrectly. Either they weren't delivered to the court properly or they were missing so much information that the court just could not rubber stamp them. But now, FBI, we're finding from this new report that the FBI can't back up dozens and dozens and dozens of surveillance applications naturally. So this is from DOJ Inspector Michael Horowitz. Released report saying FBI ignored its own Woods procedure, which is the set of rules the Bureau follows. This is from Washington Times piece, so I'm reading it. The set of rules the Bureau follows to ensure accuracy in its applications to monitor Americans under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA. He uncovered at least 183 applications between 2004 and 2019 in which the Woods file, a.k.a. the document they need to back up their argument, was missing, destroyed, or incomplete. Now, I was just saying that like the 2% that were denied out of the thousands of, of these applications that came in must have been missing a massive piece of information, but, but I was clearly off base because this is missing the one fucking thing you're supposed to have. The one, which is basically why this fucking thing is, is appropriate. So I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> What a dickhead I am. Oh, my God. Anyway, this shit is par for the course. 
I mean, it, it, nobody should be surprised. This nobody should be surprised that these judges are happy to, to rubber stamp this shit and push it through. Nobody should, should be surprised that the FBI has the audacity and the arrogance to think that they can just abuse their surveillance powers, abuse the American people, and abuse the American population by virtue of the powers given to them by our own fucking elected elected uh, representatives, right? Who continuously ratify everything from the NDAA through to the uh, what's the other one? The uh, yeah, the National Defend America Act, right? That's the NDA. I think that's what it stands for. They continue to ratify and and re-up the Patriot Act until finally, you know, it got gutted slightly. But then they went and gave them even more powers under the new one. The same America that still views Edward Snowden as a traitor. A man who now, by the way, should have been completely um, removed from any sort of, of charges. I mean, they found that... What he did was, in fact, blatantly point out that things were unconstitutional. So, thanks, Ed. But no, no, no. He's still persona non grata in the United States of America. I'm sure the deep state would gladly assassinate him if they had the chance. This is par for the course, right? So, not only can they not back up like 200 of these, and let's not even get into the other ones that they could theoretically back up and which probably include all sorts of falsified information like with Carter page during the Russiagate scandal, like with any number of these other, other you know, invented scenarios in which they leave out information like that Carter page was a CIA informant, you know, but who cares? Got to get that surveillance warrant. Let's ignore that, right? There's still these, these 200, but they get these things rubber stamped, fine. Yeah, part of the course. But it's not only that they have this power that's just been given to them, that's passed through to them. It's where they decide to point the power to that's so upset. Russiagate should be an awakening for any thinking person. Now, of course, 50% of the country is so blindly stupid and blindly partisan, partially due to the influence of social media, that they can't see how dangerous a precedent sets when you have a sitting president attacked and assaulted by the own, by the state that's supposed to be working with him and for him to ensure the sanctity of our principles, creating a scandal out of whole cloth from an opposing political candidate who lost and then proceeding to undermine him for two years of his presidency all while connecting them to foreign agents and giving those people, if anything, more power than they should have over what happens in the country, right? Never mind all of that. But now let's talk about the FBI's current director, the opener of this story. Well, he was sitting down during a, a Senate hearing, and this is a House Civil Rights and Civil Liberties Subcommittee hearing on, quote, confronting violent white supremacy. Let me do a big jerk-off motion. Wank, wank, wank. Confronting violent white supremacy, examining the Biden administration's counterterrorism strategy. The assistant director of counterterrorism for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Timothy Langan, uh, now said that he seemed to lend credence to Representative Jerry Nadler. Oh, God, he's also the worst. Infamous claim that violence by the far left group Antifa is a quote unquote myth. Now, let me tell you for a fact, Langan doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. You know how I know that? Because he said it himself. He has no idea what he's talking about when he says that Antifa, Antifa is a myth. And he didn't say that specifically, but he went on to say that the FBI doesn't consider Antifa a quote-unquote organization, which is the biggest cop-out I've ever heard in my life. 
and they don't keep track of their extremist violence. Quote, I'm sorry, um, I don't know, some asshole named Mace is asking this guy, how many acts of violence or domestic terrorism has Antifa committed over the last two years? This is asked of Deputy uh, Director Langan. Langan replied, quote, since we don't categorize Antifa, nor do we calculate or, col- or collate information regarding Antifa, that movement, we don't have that. But we can provide you information on anarchist threads and cases in general. So this guy, uh, Mance that, or Mace then said, I guess since Antifa is a myth, that type of violence isn't worth tracking. Oh, I'm sorry. That part's not it. I read a, a wrong part of the article. Long story short, Langan admitted that the FBI, which is supposedly the Federal Bureau of Investigation looking into all sorts of crimes. I mean, shit, I watched the X-Files. Actually, Mark gave me his uh, I, I Believe poster from the X-Files, which I'll put up on my wall behind me, even though I use the green screen now for the most part. But if the X-Files investigates or the, you know, the FBI investigates aliens, why the fuck wouldn't be investigating a quote-unquote non-organization that is 100% organized. We know this by virtue of the fact that Antifa members consistently travel from city to city and are funded in their travels, in their activism. They have manuals that are fucking published. How many organizations do you have to, to have published manuals to be downloaded? We know they travel here, there, and everywhere. We see the same faces in the same organizations. They have the same modus operandi. They have rules for governance. They have rules for press. They have their own press corps. Antifa, a non-organization, has its own traveling press corps. Wouldn't you think the fucking FBI should investigate that? Don't you think that this group, which is known for documented violence, that's literally on camera every single week, as reported by Real Press, Jeremy Lee was just on the show. He travels, I said, dances with Antifa, right? That's the nickname I gave him in the episode. He's out there documenting Antifa's repeated violence here in Los Angeles, where they assault people on a regular basis. They assault media. They assault women. They assault men. They assault elderly. Sometimes they assault each other. The fucking FBI doesn't consider them a threat. But in the meantime, we'll have a whole confab about the threat of white extremist violence. By the way, FBI, you might want to think about this fact when you're talking about white extremist violence. The vast majority of Antifa are white. They're white, spoiled, rich little fucks that went to private schools and now consider themselves culture warriors. They're almost all white. They're almost all violent. And they're definitely extremists. Maybe you should look into that. Instead of pretending that this isn't a fucking threat because you are so politically poisoned that you will not go after the most violent faction of our society because they happen to align with democratic ideals. I don't know, 70% align with your agenda for extremism, for for fucking pushing race baiting nonsense and and basically trying to divide the nation further. Well, that's perfect. Plays a perfect part in your little plan. And the mainstream media, of course, I was talking about the Antifa press course. They use their own videos, right? They use Antifa's videos, Antifa spokespeople when they cover violence between groups. Just fucking sick. Next, they want to talk about 
the Department of Justice. Now, the Department of Justice, of course, also not doing anything about Antifa. The Department of Justice refuses to prosecute most people that are brought in. They were part of the Black Lives Matter riots. They were part of the Antifa actions, that the ongoing Antifa violence in Portland, in Washington, in Los Angeles, refused to prosecute any of that. Gascon, noted piece of leftist shit, a aggressive to the farthest extent of aggressivehood here in Los Angeles. He is the DA, refuses to prosecute any Antifas, refuses to prosecute the homeless that break in and assault people and steal shit, refuses to prosecute any Black Lives Matter rioters. The DOJ, similar thing. Of course, they went after the Capital Six quote-unquote rioters, tooth and nail. They're throwing mothers that happen to be in the vicinity in jail and separating from their children. Meanwhile, they're letting informants go, like people from, uh, what was it, uh, not Patriot Prayer. I think there was another guy, the Oath Keepers, right? Oh, they're not investigating him. See, but walk free. But they are happy to go and dive through all of your social media posts and find out just where you are and what you were doing. You know, if you're capital rioting and throw you in fucking jail for the rest of your life, even if you did nothing but happen to be standing around the vicinity. In the meantime, guess what else they're going to investigate? Because it doesn't go along with their political agenda of forcing people to vaccinate their children, vaccinate themselves, to deny people's children the ability to learn facial expressions, probably give people a lot of learning disabilities and social anxiety and social learning disabilities by forcing masks on children after the age of fucking two. Well, parents who don't like that, parents who go to school board meetings and raise a stink and tell these people to go and shove it where the sun don't shine, which is exactly what they should be doing, those people are now getting investigated by the Department of Justice. What for? Oh, that's right. Threats of violence and extremism. Yeah. Yeah, guys, it doesn't take much because, of course, teachers unions, which are the biggest backers of the Democratic Party that have ever existed, because other unions, other workers' unions are actually separating from them. Now, teachers' unions, these fuckers bent over backwards to adopt vaccine mandates, to stay out of school as far as they could, as long as they could, to deny children the education that they're supposed to be assuring them as public servants. But the other unions have started to distance themselves from the Democrats. So it's very important that Democrats keep the teachers' unions happy and in their pocket. Thus, this is why they're sicking the Department of Justice on parent groups, on teachers that post on social media or go to school board meetings and raise hell over critical race theory, over vaccination. They dare to mention the fact that they're basically telling their kids to hate themselves while telling them to mask up, while telling them that all white people are evil, while telling them that capitalism is evil, yada, 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 on and on. So how dare parents try to have any influence over what their children are learning, what they're doing, how they're developing, if it goes against this pure democratic horseshit aggressive agenda. So the Department of Justice now, in a blatantly political move, yet another deep state politically biased organization is going after anybody that doesn't toe the line. Cute, huh? I think it's cute. It's as cute as me when I wear a pretty dress on Sunday. Ah, uh, anyway, um, that's more or less it, guys. I want to tell you, I have one more story. But before I do, I want to tell you about Matt McKinley and Burn in Daylight. Love Matt. He is an awesome guy, funny guy, literally has a great podcast that you are not going to find anything like anywhere in the libertarian nor, <laughs> nor podcasting world at large, which is a podcast, <coughs> excuse me, from a cowboy. And he is an actual cowboy. Sometimes he does podcasts on horseback, 
horseback. Sometimes he doesn't. Some is just it is it is fantastic podcasting studio there where he has a Lions of Liberty sign in the back, which I greatly appreciate. But you're gonna like Matt. You're gonna like his interacting. He's got some great guests on there. He's got a great take on there. He's hearing about him cowboying in Nevada out in the middle of nowhere and living his good libertarian life, guys. But really check it out. Burning with an apostrophe and burning daylight. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, go to our Patreon. Like I said, get involved. Come produce a show. Make me talk about whatever the goddamn movie. I can't remember whether they're fighting commies or the teens are fighting commies or whatever else you want to talk about. Right. Or you can get in. Little as $5 a month, get all our bonus content. $25, you get on our Mufasa calls. We have to we have to schedule one actually really soon because we missed it with Mark traveling and me sick. But you get to talk to us, spend an hour with you guys, shooting the shit, hearing what you want to do with the show, what we're going to be doing with the show, leading you there. $100, you actually can get involved. You'll get your product, your service out here, have us talk about it, promote you on the show. And, uh, of course, you also get to influence a show yourself. It's all good stuff, guys. So check us out there. Patreon.com forward slash lines of liberty or lines of liberty dot locals. Uh, less options there, but just for the basic access. If you don't like Patreon and you also want to hear the bonus content, go there, find that out. Okay. Wrapping it up. I found an interesting story here. And this is something, I mean, very close to, uh, to where I live. Basically, there was a story of a African American couple. All right, earned beachfront property in the 1900s. Now, I believe this is right down in Manhattan Beach, which is right down the street from me. But a lot of land and was taken from them by eminent domain. Now, eminent domain has fucked over tons of people, not just black people. Let me make that blatantly clear. Donald Trump has used eminent domain to fuck over thousands of people over the course of his tenure, I'm sure, for building casinos, for everything else. So eminent domain is not a racist topic as much as it is an abuse by government. And this is why I made the point in the past that it's not racism, it's not white people, it's government. And the more power government has, the more systems in place that give government the fucking authority to infringe on your liberty, your ability to work, your ability to go out, uh, converse with your neighbors, free trade, free movement, well, you're asking for trouble. And eminent domain is a poisonous concept which has been used to the detriment of millions of people over the years. It typically always results in not just, you know, They'll tell you it's for, oh, okay, well, we have to build a border wall to protect ourselves. Or we have to build this highway and your house is right in the way, right? So these are some examples that maybe you could make some sort of argument to say, well, the functionality of it, but at least, you know, hopefully people get paid. Well, these people just got fucked out of it completely because it's the 1900s. But for the most part, these eminent domain projects are used on stadiums, Right. So some jerk-off billionaire can make millions off the system in place for the taxpayers, and he's just been raking in all the fees for all the people, or they use to build casinos, or they build use whatever shit the government wants to put into place. So eminent domain is evil. But this, this makes me happy. You know, this makes me happy that these people, they're getting back their land, and this land is worth a ton of money, a ton of money. And I say, you know what? It's good to see one small deed in a poison world, even if it comes from piece of shit Gavin Newsom. But he signed a law last week returning beachfront property to the heirs of an African-American company or a couple who had owned it. Um, hey, interesting, interesting. That's going to do it, guys. Um, I want to remind you to listen to The Boring Podcast, uh, the funniest show. I know some of you did. I saw the numbers tick up a bit there. 
Guys, we do a live show. It's fucking hilarious. It's every Wednesday night. We do it at uh, 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern time. Runs about an hour. But we're just talking shit. We're telling stories. We're looking at Twitter videos. We're looking at Twitter comments. We're making fun of celebrities. We're playing What's in That Ass. Here, I'll play you the intro to What's in That Ass right now. <laughs> you can listen to it. And, and I'll still play the Am I the Asshole song, which has Rico's stupid face on it. Here's What's in That Ass. What? In that ass. Anyway, we play 20 questions about things that are stuck in the human rectum. It's good fun. We tell stories from the fraternity. We talk about movies. We talk about TV, anything that pops into our minds. It's uh, it's one of the funnier shows that you're ever going to hear in a podcast form. So if you like us, if you like what we do here, and you want to support us in other ways, laughing and get a little break from politics, I know I have been getting burned out as fuck lately. Uh, just to be perfectly honest with you, so I am listening to more stuff that is not politically centric. I need a couple months of, uh, of head clearing space here. So hopefully you will join us and have fun. And, you know, yeah, it's still you get our point of view, obviously. But um, that's a good little break for you. So check that out, guys. Boring podcast, B-O-H-R-N-G podcast, anywhere you want to download that podcast. And if you think about it, give us a five star review on iTunes. Very helpful. Or uh, just share it, share it with a friend. And of course, Mark's also got the uh, second print podcast. That is his podcast with Remzo Martinez. They talk about comic books and other nerdy dork stuff. Pfft. No, no, I used to read comics. It's fun stuff. So check them out as well. All right, that's going to do it, guys. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty. And don't forget, I'm going to be at the Austrian Conference in Vienna. Come out to Austrian Conference in Vienna. It's awesome. AustrianConference.org. I'll be there. November 5th is my podcast panel. Okay, bye. Oh, 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 oh